For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to a place beyond space and time. Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Does it even matter? What is time? We are in a time when there is no time. One day bleeds into the other, but all I know is it's episode 248 of Blue Harvest. And I'm your host, Holes Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Come on, man. Do it up big fancy. Will Witten. Yeah, there we go. <coughs> How's it been going, buddy? It's been going all right. Man, I have not had as hard of a time keeping track of time since the, my long hospital stay back in the day. Yeah, I find myself being like, what day is it? Yeah. And then I'm like, who really fucking cares? Doesn't matter what day it is. Yeah, that is my, uh, mine and Jesse's motto the past few days is, what is time? What does it matter? She'll be like, oh, I need to do such and such, but I want to play Persona. And I'll be like, well, play Persona because what is time anymore? In Onward, on uh, the new movie on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. there's this one scene where... Uh, this lady cop asks the one guy, she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are any of us really doing here? <laughs> she's like, whoa. Man. So, yeah, this morning when you and I were texting, because um, that was the morning for me, because what is time? Um, when we were texting, I was like, wait a second. Today's Thursday. I should ask him if he's okay to record today. <clears throat> so we figured it out. Here we are. We can. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, like the uh, Star Wars t- wheels are turning. We're going to talk about a new documentary series coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest episode of The Clone Wars. We're going to talk about some Cassian casting information and uh, a couple other things. So that'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Before we dive into all that, though. Uh, you guys should maybe 
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us questions and voice messages and things of that nature at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. So if you enjoy this, whatever this is nowadays, um, you can get a whole lot more at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast where we have a ton of bonus shows that we post. Oh, oh, what kind of bonus shows? You got to give me a little more information, Halls. Well, all right. Uh, Cooking with Will, that's a bonus show. Oh, no, it's Hall Solo. That's another one. Blue Harvest Adventure, Star Wars Year by Podcast, Podula Rasa, Jaws, the Steve versus the Prequels, uh, Spaced Out with the Barbarian, Sometime that'll happen when we can see each other again. <laughs> when I can look across this goddamn wooden table and and smile at the the face of a friend. My goodness. I remember when life was like that. I do too. We'll be back there one day. The before times. I'm sure looking forward to it. I'm sure looking forward to when like Will's going to be like, hey, I'm coming in town. You want to do a Blue Harvest in person? And I'll be like, I do indeedly do, good sir. We'll put up the plastic shields that everybody's got at the checkout counter. Uh, buddy, that's not a bad idea if you need to get away. <laughs> what we do is uh, I, I just set up a nice like plastic bubble for your head outside the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you just put it on, you know, like wear a trash bag over your body and the whole time it'll sound like this yeah i don't know man i thought that was a pretty good movie i'm gonna pass out because i'll be sweating inside the trash bag yeah we'll have to figure out some air circulation well i'll talk to some of our buddies that do like uh the 501st cosplay because i think some of them have like fans and shit in their armor maybe i'm wrong about that you'd be like the astronauts who could circulate like their own cool Yeah, yeah, that. Can you imagine being on a spacewalk and you're like floating through space and you're taking in the majesty of the curvature of the earth in front of you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're like, I am one of a handful of people who's done this. This is amazing. My life's work is manifested before me. I got to take a dump. <laughs> I and can I imagine dump real bad. plan for that ahead of time. You're like, ooh, I got a spacewalk today. Uh, I'm not going to eat till after the spacewalk. <laughs> you know what? That's probably, you know, that's why those people are astronauts and I'm not. Because I'd be like, chilling, eating space Doritos. And they'd be like, hey, Halls. I'd be like, huh? It's, it's time for your uh, spacewalk. They'd be like, oh, oh, my bad. Doritos dust all in my beard and on my spacesuit and shit. Uh, Houston, having trouble seeing. There's some sort of orange, orange particles in my suit. <laughs> You'd be like, "Damn, my breath smells bad in this space helmet." I know. Uh, I know. In space, your one of your water sources is recycled urine. Delicious. I believe. Okay. Water world style. I mean, they you, you filter it. You know, you turn it. You remove all the 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 waste and keep right. the water element of it you basically pee into a brita filter basically like you go to the fridge you pull out your brita pitcher you take a whiz in it and then bing bada boom 
You made and the guy your own that flex tape is like, you can drink this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! We're gonna make a boat. <laughs> we're gonna pill it. We're gonna pee in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna filter that piss. And then we're gonna drink that piss. Uh, it's amazing. Buy now. Nine ninety five. How have you been, buddy? I've been all right. Trying yeah. to. Uh, just trying to escape mentally. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I um. I've been spending my time split between doing what work I can, you know, because my work slowed down a bit. Um, doing what work I can, and then hanging out with Jesse, and then the rest of the time I'm splitting my mind up mentally between three locations, my friend: my Animal Crossing island. Um, my character in Final Fantasy XIV, I believe that world is Eorzea, by the way, uh, I hit level 50 and got my samurai class. Woo woo, that is cool. Nice. And one of my favorite places of all time to spend a little time, home away from home, you might call it, the city of Midgar <laughs> in the Final Fantasy VII rem- remake. Beautiful. Dude, it's great. I love it so much. I'm only about, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15 hours in because I haven't wanted to just blow through it because I've been waiting for it so long. I'm really taking my time, really savoring it, you know. And, And like I said, I have a couple other games and some VR stuff I'm messing around with, so... Yeah, taking my time because what is time anymore? I uh, actually catching up on the animes. Some of the animes I haven't seen. Yeah, that's cool. I um, I've been meaning to jump into a couple because our buddy Steve has really been tearing up the anime lately. And, and I saw him on Crunchyroll online. I was like, ooh, jealous. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <clears throat> yeah, he um, he's all the time because we play Final Fantasy 14 together. Um, he's all the time being like, you got to watch this food wars is one, I think. Okay. Um, that's like a cooking anime show. Nice. Uh, and, uh, a bunch of others that he's recommended to me. So I've been meaning to jump in and check one out. I just, I don't know, man. I haven't had a chance. Somehow I haven't had a chance. Well, well, you know, the final fantasy has consumed you. There is that. There is that. There's also, you know trying to keep up with all my podcasts which is a little more difficult now that i'm not driving and sitting at and fucking record rooms typing all day you know yeah so anyways um what have you been watching which which animes have you been partaking in that you particularly enjoyed uh i really liked uh vinland saga which mm-hmm. is like a viking anime that was kick ass um that's one that steve has recommended to me for sure Demon Slayer Kimetsu. Uh, that's really good. Okay. Um, Let me guess. It's about an individual who slays demons. That would be a good guess. That's right. a good one. Uh, some of the other ones, uh, this is just kind of what, between Netflix and Prime Video, uh, Grimoire of Zero, that's pretty good. Um, Blue Exorcist is pretty good. Uh, is it wrong to pick up a girl in a dungeon? Surprisingly good. I caught up on all of yeah. Sword Art Online, and it's kind of roller coastery. 
Uh, yeah, but I, how to pick up a girl in uh is it wrong to pick up a girl in a dungeon's not bad. I mean, you know, I understand the whole harem comedy aspect of some animes and it's it's not as bad as I mean it's no worse than Tinchi Muyo or yeah. Sword Art Online. It's definitely got some of those elements. I uh I just don't see my get one getting into that one. Like it's the title is hard enough for me to get past, I'll be honest. You know, I might have even tried it out after seeing somebody talk about it on Facebook. I can't remember. The main character is like one of those super nice guys, right? Like he's not super pervy, you know, like the main character is like super appropriate and super nice or whatever. So it the title kind of betrays the main character's attitude. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoy sword art. Um, I haven't seen the third season. I, I don't even know I if it's either. if it's completed or if it's like I don't I know it's airing on Adult Swim I think I thought oh okay it was. Um, but man your what you said is completely true it's a roller coaster of quality it seems like uh, at least for the first two seasons the front part like the beginning part is way better they're typically split between two main storylines like per season and the second one always seems to drop the ball yeah <laughs> but I uh, like um. I like the concept so much and I like the characters so much. So that's, that's sort of what keeps me invested, I guess. Right. I like the concept. I like the characters. I like, um, it delves into this. They make Asuna such a a badass, and then they kind of switch gears into damsel in distress. Just, uh, you know, just a, a quest point for the main character. Yeah. That's that. I don't necessarily like. Yeah. That's, the part, the second part of season one that I was talking about is way worse than right. the first one. Um, uh, when they switched to the Gun Gale online, the the shooter one, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. And he is, uh, his avatar is like a girl, basically. It's like super. He's still a male, but is so feminine looking. It comes off as a girl. And he starts the beginning of it kind of acting like he's a girl. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't like the way this feels. You know, I just. I have no problem with uh, him being appearing, you know, super feminine as a male. The him playing into it is what I didn't really like, or not being honest about it in the beginning. But uh, the I ended up really liking that arc, the Gun Gale mystery murder mystery part. It, it was cool, the battle royale aspect of it. It was really awesome. I ended up really liking that. What and was then, uh, interesting about that is I don't know how they didn't get sued by Lucasfilm because. Like there's a scene where he goes to like a, essentially a weapon shop. Yeah. And he decides he wants to use a sword, which is uncommon because in this MMO that he's playing, he's like, it's like gun. a post-apocalyptic, yeah, gun-based game. Uh, and he gets the sword and it is not essentially, it is exactly a lightsaber. It to, is, but they don't call it that. Like no. I remember the scene, and they're like, "It's like a, it's like a beam sword, or like yeah, a, it's, it's photon a, saber." And she goes, "It's called something else too, and I can't remember." Yeah, and they I was even like, sort lightsaber. Of you mean? And it even makes the same noises, the same sounds. Yep. <laughs> I can't believe they I, didn't get sued. Well, there's uh one of, okay grimoire of zero. In there, they use the same. There's a blaster uh, sound effect that they use over and over for like different things in like different action moments in the anime. And I'm like, this must be, you know, what is it? Public 
domain or something. This sound effect must be public domain or purchasable in a a large group for in them like a to library still, or something. Yeah, for them to not be sued over that because it is exactly like I've got a good ear for this kind of stuff, and it is exactly that blaster, that Star Wars blaster sound, like. Huh. Um, and well, like they, you were right, like it is that lightsaber sound, and I don't know if those lightsaber sound effects are public domain or something like that, or if they come in a package you can buy. But like you said, like I'm surprised that, you know, cause it is, it's a lightsaber, you know, straight yeah. up. <clears throat> well, speaking of lightsabers, you want to talk a little star war, war wars? Yeah, I do. All right. So I'm, you know, when I was sitting down trying to figure out all we were talking about tonight, there's a good chance I'll miss something, but, I tried to get it in as, as good of order as possible. Um, and we'll save the Clone Wars discussion towards the end. Um, so Neil Scanlon. Neil Scanlon is like the head of the creature effects department for the Star Wars productions. You see him in all the uh, behind-the-scenes documentaries and footage and stuff. Um, he mentioned that... Um, at the time that they had to shut down due to coronavirus, they were six weeks into pre-production on the Cassian Andor series. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so <clears throat> he also mentioned that they're doing everything they can from home. But it sounds like, you know, at least for a while there, <laughs> production was moving along. Um, yeah. And, you know, I believe, can't remember if he mentioned it in that article or if it was, you know, news from elsewhere that the plan was for them to start filming that in June. Uh, who knows if that actually happens, but that was the plan. But we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't. I mean, it's hard to say at this point with everything getting moved around and shuffled, but right. hopefully it doesn't delay it too far if it does in delay, you know, delaying its ultimate release. Right. Um, uh, the ghost, the new Ghostbusters movies got pushed back from this summer to next summer, basically. Yeah, full year. Yeah, some of these movies got pushed way back, which is a bummer. That was one of my more anticipated movies of the year. Yeah, was that new Ghostbusters movie? But that and Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, Black Widow wasn't necessarily. Uh like high on the list of oh man i can't wait for that one but i definitely I was just thought it was going to be good it's I, her it's her turn you know it's her time i would have definitely gone to see it basically and you know i'm sure i'll go see it when it when it eventually does come out because i think it got the eternals november release date yeah i believe that's okay. when it's set to come out now and uh i just like the idea that david harbour is in it i really like david harbour me too, man. I like him quite a bit. I've heard him on a couple of podcasts, and it only makes him like me like him more. Seems like only makes him like you more. Maybe, man. I don't know. David Harbor would probably think I'm pretty lame. It's like you are not an actor. Whatever. I'd be wearing Miami Vice shirts and crushing beers with him. We'd be fine. <laughs> well, that's more Hopper than David Harbor necessarily, I guess. Nah, he'd he'd be fine. You think he'd that, be just fine. You think there's a little bit of the real David Harbour in that character? I mean, sometimes people are perfectly cast to play a character, mm -hmm. and I believe David Harbour was perfectly cast to play Hopper. 
you know, like Ryan, no, but Deadpool couldn't have been a lot of people, but Ryan Reynolds, that's perfect casting, you know, like, right. I gotcha. There's a little bit of Deadpool in Ryan Reynolds. Or there's a little bit of Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man. Um, so, yeah. You know, on one hand, it's good to hear because there's not been... And I guess that's sort of the nature of Star Wars nowadays, but there hasn't been a lot of information coming out about the Cassian series. For a while there, everything was so focused on Obi-Wan because it's Ewan McGregor returning and then the whole shenanigans that were going on behind the scenes with the rewrites and stuff. And we weren't hearing much about Cassian, but this week especially, seems like it's ramping up on the Cassian news, which is pretty neat to see. Uh, Another thing that came out, since we're talking about Cassian, uh, actually came out today, I believe, and this was reported from Variety. Uh, and that is that actors Stellan Skarsgård and Kyle Soler <coughs> are being um, are in final negotiations to join the cast of the Cassian series. Okay. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, he's been in a ton of stuff. You know, what does he jump out uh, to me as? He's the guy in, like, Thor. He's in Thor. He's in... Uh, I believe he's in the Avengers. Um, Is his son's name Alexander? Yeah, I think I think they're all one big family. Um, so once again, I'm not familiar with Kyle Soler, um, but you know, it's just good to hear some forward momentum going on with this yeah. whole Cassian series. Absolutely, um, Skarsgård is coming off his critically acclaimed role in Chernobyl. Yes. Um, which was really good. <laughs> I heard really it was really good. Up. I haven't seen it. Um, maybe he's not the one I'm thinking of as being in. Oh, man. Am I going to be? This is one of those things that I've got to look up or else people are going to be like, you dummy. He's not in Marvel movies. I swear. He isn't Thor. Is I he? know he's yeah okay he's and he's in like the first Avenger movie. His mind gets taken over by Loki and he okay yeah yeah at he's the, the top scientist of the yeah right. Yeah. Hello scientist yeah. All right I thought so. He was in Mamma Mia. He was in Chernobyl. Bro, IMDb doesn't have any Marvel movies listed. Yeah, there it is. He's Eric Selvig, Dr. Selvig. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Um, so, it, it's, I guess, a little comforting, given all the uncertainty. Maybe this is goofy to find comfort in that, at least behind the scenes, Star Wars stuff is still creeping along, you know? Like... It's might, being worked on in the background. Yeah, might not make that June start date, but... They're still working on it. Still trying to get it off the ground. We still got new Star Wars coming our way eventually. That's nice to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, a little casting news. I will be interested to see as it goes on if we start hearing any sort of confirmation of more returning 
uh, actors or characters from Rogue One showing up in this. Because mm-hmm. we know Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk are both on board. But, you know, I'm wondering more about, like, uh, the lady who played Mon Mothma. Will she be returning and playing Mon Mothma? What about TV's Jimmy Smits as Bail Organa? That would be cool. That would be awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you need to make a Bail Organa miniseries and then be, like, lots of court intrigue and, like, Maybe a spy thriller or something? Well, I think the Cassian show is where we're going to get the spy thriller. You know, I think that's going to be its sort of genre entryway into Star Wars. But I would totally watch a Bail Organa show with Jimmy Smith just chewing up scenery. Oh, yeah. Count me in on that. I could could see him... uh... I'm down for Galactic Senate episodes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I can I can dig it. Yeah, I honestly that's an Star element. Wars Downton Abbey. <laughs> that's a, a element of the prequels that may have been a little heavy handed to some, including me, you know, like it's definitely not my favorite stuff right. in the prequels, but I c- could have used a touch of it in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, there's a time and a place. Yeah, and, I I, uh, I could have definitely used some more information on how that whole thing was operating within the timeline of the sequel trilogy. J.J. Oh. Abrams nuked them in The Force Awakens. <laughs> they are gone. Yeah, that's all we got. We got a bunch of senators and shit being like, Ah! What's, what's that up in the sky? And, uh, and then uh, a bunch of people, including me, uh, in the lobby afterwards going, Was that Coruscant? It was as if a thousand voices cried out at once and were silenced. <clears throat> All right. Uh, and then yesterday, we got a really cool announcement. Now, this is one I am super excited for. Well, you know, May the 4th is coming up. And that's sort of the official, unofficial Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you and whatnot, right? Right. Also, the five-year anniversary of our podcast. <clears throat> well, anyway, there's a, a couple of special things coming to Disney Plus on May the 4th. The first one is the final episode of The Clone Wars. So instead of airing on that Friday of that week, um, they're going to be airing the final episode on Monday, May the 4th. Which I think is pretty neat. Um, I think so too. That'll be the end of Clone Wars, the end of the Siege of Mandalore. <laughs> that means... Uh, when we record that week, we're going to have two episodes of Clone Wars to talk about, given the way we've been uh, doing it lately, you know, recording yeah. on Thursday before they come out. So that'll be nice. We'll be able to talk about the last hour or so of the Clone Wars. And then the other thing premiering is a show called Disney Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian, which is a behind the scenes documentary on the making of The Mandalorian. Uh, and it's going to be a multi-part series. The first episode comes out May the 4th, and then they will um, air on Fridays after that. And that is something I cannot wait to see. Yeah. So much of the the behind-the-scenes information and production pictures we've gotten from The Mandalorian look so cool with that big 360 LED wall that they use for special effects. Absolutely. 
that I really can't wait to see. Um, you know, some an in-depth look at that whole process and things like that. So that's that was a nice little surprise to hear about. Absolutely. You know, what are you hoping to see in uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff from The Mandalorian? Um, I don't know, just uh, kind of the people that are involved talking lovingly about what they're creating. Taika Waititi and John Favreau and uh, uh, Miss Bryce Dallas Howard and Deborah you Chow. Know, just, Deborah Chow, every, everybody that, you know, that's kind of what I loved about the behind the scenes thing about Rise of Skywalker was just everybody that was involved in laughing and joking and talking, you know, seeing all the love <coughs> yeah. for Star Wars behind the scenes. And uh, I know that there's just as much of that, if not more, going on behind the scenes in Mandalorian. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I want to hear like, sort of the process behind how they came up with all the different ideas and, you know, cause they pulled so much stuff from other Canon and other pieces of star Wars history. I want to see right. like the thought process behind incorporating all that. Um, and it's an eight op episode series. So I kind of assume it's going to be just a d devoted to a making of each individual episode, you know? I wonder if they'll even go into your spurred. That's what I'm saying. Spurred cameo. Mm hmm. That is what I'm wondering. That would be cool. Uh, and, you know, and, and the concept and creation and evolution of the idea behind Baby Yoda, you know? Um, IG 11. Like, there's so much cool shit that they can delve into. Uh, so, I've been hoping that, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit as the show was airing that I wished that there were some extras for the episodes where we could see little behind the scenes, uh, you know, film clips and stuff. But it sounds like we're going to get even more than that. And especially since it's so practical effects heavy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, the Ugnot, I'd like to see how they pulled that off. I know, I, I know it's probably in my head. It's probably fairly simple, but just to see how it's, you know, comes together. It's a really well done effect. Yeah, and and you know, I believe it was making Star Wars that had all the information about how like, um, they got him. Who is the actor? I want to say Gary Busey, but it's not Gary Busey. It's Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Um, how they got Nick Nolte to record his lines over just a you know probably in like a day or two, and he wore essentially like a, a special motion capture mask or helmet or some shit that captured his performance. Yeah. So then they could use that on the animatronic head. Um, of that the, was smart. Yeah. Cause you know, they, something tells me Nick Nolte ain't getting put in that costume. <laughs> no, because that costume is built for somebody that's like four feet tall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking of Taika Watiti, you brought him up. Um, you know, he, he directed the season finale of The Mandalorian. Really good episode. Well, over the weekend, he held like a live watch event of Thor Ragnarok. Um, you know, you've been seeing a lot of people do things like that to try and help, help people stay occupied and keep their minds off of things lately. Uh, and in that, he did reveal that unfortunately he didn't have the opportunity 
to direct an episode of season two of The Mandalorian, and it really came down to scheduling. He's working on, I can't remember the name of the movie, but he's got a movie he's working on for in between now and when he starts filming the next Thor movie. Um, so uh, that's one person to take off the list of potential directors because we don't really have a lot of confirmed directors for The Mandalorian so far. We have ones that, you know, we can assume. I believe it's been confirmed that Dave Filoni's coming back for at least an episode, probably more than one. Um, but past that, not a lot of confirmed stuff. As a director or as a uh, uh, X-Wing pilot? As a director. Because okay. you know, he directed two episodes in season one. Okay. He actually directed the fucking... Is it Boba Fett episode? That's what we're going to call it. The Is It Boba Fett episode. Yeah, episode five. Is it Boba Fett? <clears throat> There's two ways you can describe that episode. You can describe it as, was that Boba Fett? Or just uh, an emoji of steel with hard eyes. Because he loves that. <laughs> That's good. He loves that Toro guy so much. All right. Uh, you want to talk about the Clone Wars? Yeah. So we uh, were at the end of, I don't know what the, I don't know what the official title is for this arc now that I think about it. Because, you know, we had the Bad Batch arc and then the last arc is going to be the Siege of Mandalore. Um, I don't know what this arc is called. Is it maybe Ahsoka in the Underworld? I don't know. But regardless, uh, we finished up that arc uh, since we last recorded and uh ahsoka and the noobs arc (laughs) and uh it was pretty good it 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 brought everything sort of full circle and ended the arc positive forward momentum (laughs) is what i i saw this episode and i was like finally we are moving in the right direction yeah after the sort of you know what i equate the third episode to or the old school cartoons where um, when a character is running or driving, it's the same background that just goes by over and over again. Riding on a bus, riding on a bus. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, <coughs> it's the looped background. Yeah, because it it started in a Hanna and Barbera ended, cartoon. Started and ended in essentially the same place, right? With right. them in, in custody. Um. So it was nice to see, and you you had to figure that wasn't going to be the case with this one, but it was pretty nicely done how they pulled you it know, off. She's revealed to be a Jedi. She owns up to it. You know, they actually go get Spice and come back for her. Like all like positive for people are doing good things to progress the story. Yeah, I um I actually thought the section where Rafa and Trace go off to. Like, so Ahsoka works out this whole deal with the Pikes where she tries to make it seem like she's backstabbing them where she's like, you know, they dumped the spice off world. So let them go get it. And if they don't come back, I'll tell you where their families are. So, you know, shit like that. Right. Um, And I thought the way they handled that, those two characters was pretty good. Like they came up with a decent plan. I mean, it goes to show that Ahsoka was in the way the whole time. Like Ahsoka was the one that was messing them up because as the two of them worked together, they worked together just fine. The two sisters, which what? is what Rafa claimed had happened before Ahsoka showed up. Yeah, she's not necessarily wrong, is she? I didn't think about it that way. 
<clears throat> but uh, yeah, their their whole mission to go pick up some spice, basically steal some spice to deliver. Yeah, I thought was pretty good. I like her bossing around that little dude, and then yeah. the um, she rolled high on her intimidation check. Yeah, her uh, her or the Trandoshan shows up, and uh, I thought that fight scene was okay. It looked a little stiff, like a little, even a little stiffer than I'm used to in Clone Wars sometimes. Yeah. Um. A lot of being thrown around. Yeah. A lot of ragdolling. Maybe it's because it wasn't like a, a lightsaber duel or, you know, clones kicking ass that they didn't put as much attention, give it as much attention as they do some of the other fight scenes, but I did find it a little stiff. Um, I, I was wrong. And last week I said that, you know, I, it's still surprising. They put so much effort into developing the characters of Rafa and Trace that I assumed they would be along the ride for the rest of that last season. But I'm, I mean, I'm fine. I'm actually happy that they're staying behind on Coruscant, but I really, it kind of just seems like a waste. Like, yeah, but when you think about it, I know it's an implement to progress Ahsoka. You know, I know Ahsoka's lost and you know, she's got to find her own path, but it felt like so much character development of these two characters that are done now they're done you know yeah and i totally get that but it also doesn't necessarily fall too far from the regular sort of pace of the clone wars if that makes sense where you know you you do get um that where you know characters and whole planets and stuff are introduced only for one arc and then sometimes they do show up later and if this was an episode that happened during the regular run of Clone Wars, um, and there was space between that and the you know Siege of Mandalore, there would probably be a good chance that they would show up again. You know, they'd get in some kind of trouble and need to reach out for Ahsoka, to Ahsoka for help or something. Um, right. But I don't. Um, I don't know. Maybe she swings back by and picks her bike up after Order sixty six. Although. Going back to Coruscant would seem awfully risky after Order 66, so maybe not. Yeah. Wouldn't seem like the smartest move. No. Um, What I thought was interesting was the Maul stuff. So you find out that the Pikes are working with Maul. Right. And he specifically calls out Crimson Dawn. Now, this could be something where I... I'm not familiar with the previous canon content, and I'm about to fuck up, but from what I remember, the first mention of Crimson Dawn we ever got was in Solo, right? And that's where I became aware of it. Um, Yeah, me too. So if it showed up in a comic or book or something, then that's my bad. But uh, I'm just... uh, what I'm. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's interesting... If I had to guess, that was added, that little bit of dialogue and stuff with Maul mentioning Crimson Dawn was added post-Solo. That's not something that was there originally in the original animatics or script for these episodes, if I had to guess. Um, So basically what I'm saying is, you know, we had Solo come out and Solo references the animated stuff by having Darth Maul at the end and he's the head of Crimson Dawn, et cetera, et cetera, right? Which was neat to see the live action 
sort of recognizing and uh, acknowledging the animated stuff. And now we have the animated stuff <coughs> acknowledging the developments of the live action stuff, which I think is needed. I do like I think them it would have those... helped. Yeah. If this had been out before Solo, because to me, it was kind of surprising, you know, like, oh, Darth Maul is the head of this criminal underworld enterprise. Mm -hmm. You know, like he must have been working this for a while, you know, but it makes a lot of sense because he initiated the coup on Mandalore in Clone Wars before we got to where we are. So he's, you know, he's ruling over Mandalore and then he's working seedily with the Pikes and then the Crimson Dawn. So that it, that I guess it justifies his appearance in Solo a little more to me. Uh, and I felt like that would have been... Well, see, this is the thing. Less of a shock in Solo. Well, I think... But I, you, you're totally right. And if you were to sit down and watch um, Star Wars chronologically, and I mean completely chronologically with the clone wars and stuff included right then yeah when they're talking about crimson dawn in in solo you'd be like wait isn't darth maul the leader of crimson dawn what's up with that way well, you know what i'm saying yeah and then the but see what it would do is it would take away that surprise that was meant to be a surprise and a shock yeah in solo so I do like that they found a way to, I mean, I, it's as simple as him saying two words, Crimson Dawn, but I did, I do like those connections. Like it, it makes them seem less disconnected Absolutely. right? when Absolutely. they do stuff like that. I know, I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion. I'm still not a huge fan of Sam Whitworth's performance as Darth Maul. You know, I didn't, I wasn't going to bring that up. Because I kind of thought Sam Witwer was your guy, but uh, I'm <laughs> what? No, I'm not necessarily. His Darth Maul doesn't blow me away. He you know, puts like a little I, too much. It's uh, sixty-six Batman stank on it or something. <laughs> it's he's just so full of himself. Yeah, you know, I like, don't know. like it just doesn't really do it for me, and it never really has. But maybe it was just. You know, maybe it was just, I don't know that it had, I had noticed it as much in previous episodes or in his appearance in Mar uh, Rebels, but there's just, uh, there's something about it that I'm not a huge fan of, that particular performance. Um, we'll see how it goes as we get into the Siege of Mandalore, because that's going to be super Maul heavy. He's, and Darth Maul a is a character I like, so it's not even a, from a story standpoint that I dislike it. He's a big Dungeons and Dragons guy too, so I feel bad admitting that he's not my favorite, but I have to be honest with myself. Yeah, you know. He, uh, he voiced Mordenkainen, or Mordenkainen, which was Gary Gygax's character, and he did it in the voice of Gary Gygax. Huh. Well, there you go. Um, and then, you know, the Mandalorian stuff was cool. That was kind of hinted at last week with... Ursa Wren and Bo-Katan and the, as far as I know, unnamed third Mandalorian that's just chilling, not saying much. <coughs> I thought their uh, stuff was interesting. I mean, you knew where it was headed because we know Siege of Mandalore is coming. They're there to try and recruit Ahsoka. Uh, I don't, is it a Mandalorian tri-wing fighter? 
Is that what that kind of ship is called? I'm not sure. Ooh, I, I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. Fucking love that thing. I think that is such a cool ship design. I love how it lands. I love how it flies, how it takes off. <clears throat> um, uh, but yeah, you know, I won't lie. The, uh, the, uh, shit. Uh, my brain fart pothole. Silver angel. No. Oh, well, I was going to say the, the Mandalorian stuff at the end with them showing up and being like, we need your help and Maul and blah, blah, blah. Man, that got me hyped. I was pretty yeah, hyped me too. at the end of this episode. Me too. That's what a positive forward momentum. Shit is popping. Yeah. And apparently the first episode of the Siege of Mandalore is um, a little longer uh, than okay. a, a, a typical... Um, Maybe it's a Fang class. Shit. I don't know what those ships are called, but they're fucking cool, those Mandalorian ships. Um, no, I don't think that's it. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's no secret that the Siege of Mandalore stuff is what I've been most excited for in the Clone Wars, so anything that gets us closer to that is going to have us have me a pretty stoked and you got to think this is what i meant to bring up earlier you got to think if they're they're referencing solo in clone wars we're gonna have such a mandalorian heavy story arc coming up that i guarantee we see at least some sort of reference to the mandalorian in the siege of mandalore i i don't think it'll be din Djarin. yeah i don't think we'll see him you know um. Okay, so is it Death Watch that saved him as a child, or was it Bo-Katan's reformed Death Watch? I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. You know, this is one of those cases where I'm going to cite merchandise um, as evidence, and we know that's not necessarily foolproof and and exact. But the fun- the Funko Pops. Of those Mandalorians that show up to save Din Djarin when he's a little, little one, um, are called uh, their Death Watch. That's what they're labeled okay. as. Right. Now, it, does that mean it is Bo Katan's reformed version of Death Watch? It could very well be because they're wearing the same color scheme, you know. Right. But it's not. And in the sh- in the show, she says, "We're not Death Watch," you know. Something about, like, we're not Death Watch anymore. Death Watch is no more or whatever. Death Watch is no more, you know. But they still seem to be wearing those colors and that symbol or whatever. Right. So it could very well be that. And that could be a little hint. You know, that could in its in itself be a sort of a reference and a hint towards the Mandalorian. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if Bo-Katan is going to show up in the Mandalorian at some point. I think it is in a... What if we see them save Din, baby Din Djarin? Because, uh, I mean, it's. Do you think the clone, the the, phew, the droid army shows up on one of the Mandalorian controlled worlds, and that you see Death Watch save Din Djarin as a kid? I mean, I guess they could go that far. I don't know. You know, that would be. 
pretty interesting if they went that in depth to it. I just don't know that we will be getting far enough away from the mall. Event, yeah, all of that to, to delve into something like that. And it would be overkill. I mean, there's no really real reason to see it twice except to. Yeah, I just wonder reinforce. if we'll see. I don't know. We we'll maybe hear it referenced off screen. Right. Or like, what if we meet a, the, you know, because there is some weirdness between the Clone Wars Mandalorians, the Rebels Mandalorians, and the Mandalorians we see in the Mandalorian because in Clone Wars and Rebels, it, they will take their helmets off at a drop of a hat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And yeah. all the Mandalorians Din Jarns hanging out with. They keep That's that shit sin. on. Yeah, like yeah. it's 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 so it's ma- religious. What if we meet a clan of Mandalorians in the Siege of Mandalore that don't take their helmets off and say this is the way and shit. Like that's it could be as simple as hearing somebody say this is the way. Right. As far as a reference towards the Mandalorian since it's so separated that, in time. Maybe that uh maybe that decree or that law didn't come into effect until after the siege of Mandalore. Yeah, or the um, the purge or whatever that they yeah. always talk about in the Mandalorian. Yeah. I think that's probably a very solid theory. Is I wonder th- if after Order 66, Palpatine turned his eye to the Mandalorians as another power that could threaten him, and that's when the purge happened. Well, so we know in Rebels that some of the Mandalorians ended up sort of working with the Empire, right? Like Sabine's whole deal is that she's trying to convince the Mandalorians that are sided with the empire. And she helped for a while. She worked with the empire and helped them develop some weapon, that crazy weapon that shows up towards the end of rebels. So what I think happens is after the events of rebels is probably when, um, the empire really turns its eye into the Mandalorians and does the whole purge and stuff. If I had to guess, that's when it happens. Cause they're still around, you know, whenever it is that rebels takes place. I around. And I respect whoever is the lore master that keeps track of these timelines and what's going on, but uh-huh. I do not envy them one bit. <sighs> See, that is the one if you want me to be completely honest, I think that's the one job I would enjoy at Lucasfilm is trying to keep the timeline straight. Cause I like timeline stuff so much yeah. that I would be super into the, like the inside access to that knowing like all these questions I have about when such and such takes place, like having that knowledge and keeping it straight on a spreadsheet or something. Like, I think that would be one of the few jobs that I would actually enjoy. Cause I think I would think, Trying to create something Star Wars related would be too much pressure. I'd be too <laughs> nervous and anxious. Because goddamn, if I still don't see some shitheads going after Ryan Johnson on Twitter. Oh, I mean, really? Like, oh, Jesse and I watched Knives Out uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, that's the his movie. Yeah, really fucking good. That's what I heard. Man, I, I'll give you my login so you can watch it. Because it is really good <clears throat> all right well i think that does it for our, our star wars news and our clone wars discussion you want to move on over and do some voicemails and emails let's do it all right well 
Let me get us a little song going, and then uh, we'll jump right in. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D. Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. All right, so to kick things off, we have um, who else but our buddy King Tom. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing this because he gave me a little hint at what um, what this is all about. Hey there, Haas and Will. Before I get into the topic of this week's voicemail, I want to talk for a second about hammocks. Hammocks, I highly recommend them. They're fun and they're comfortable. (laughs) They're like the blue harvest of outdoor furniture. And when it comes to that picture that my uh, my wife sent around, you know, to the untrained eye, it may have looked like I was relaxing, but I was really doing some work. I had my work laptop. I was probably reading something very important. And that picture was taken Wednesday, I believe. So I was a few minutes away from recording a uh, voicemail for last week's podcast. But speaking about last week's podcast, you were asking about my views on the Ray um, in the cave scene from The Last Jedi. And this is something that I've been trying to wrap my head around for years. And I think I finally have a handle on it, thanks to the rise of Skywalker. Uh, At the time, and I still think this is part of the answer, like Hawes said, it was telling her who her parents were didn't matter. It didn't matter to who she was at that point, and it, it didn't, in a way, it didn't matter for her future. Maybe not to the extent that Ryan Johnson thought when he wrote that scene, but still my point stands. The thing is, you know, we've seen two other journeys like this, with Luke in the cave on Dagobah on Empire Strikes Back, and with Yoda in his arc in the Clone Wars. And in, in all three cases, they went to these dark side places, but the Force, the whole Force, not just the light side or the dark side, was teaching them a lesson. For Luke, the lesson was that the dark side could corrupt anybody that he could he didn't know at that time but he could end up to be that is the next version of his father for yoda it was that the dark side is within everybody and it's pointless to ignore it you have to to, to confront it and accept it for who you are and ray you know she's she's down there and it's it's a it's a great scene. It's loaded with metaphor, and I think what, one of my favorites is that all the different versions of Ray or different rays are just like the 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 hash marks that she makes on the wall of her home in the Force Awakens. 
I, you know, I, I don't think I came up with that on my own. I probably heard it from somewhere. And I think that's, that's an amazing way of looking at it. It's loaded with metaphor and Ray, you know, she's there wanting to find out who her parents are, but she's really confronted with her fears, loneliness. And that was her fear at the time. That was her life at the time. And just another thing about the dark side, you know, Ray, Ray lived for 15 years as someone who had to fight every day just to make a living. Um, she had every reason to go to the dark, and we saw an anger with her in The Force Awakens and in parts of The Last Jedi. And Luke never really taught her the difference between light and dark. He just kind of said, you should, you know, there's dark in that cave, and you went straight for it. He never taught her the light and the dark, but she, she goes for the light. Compare that to someone who had a loving family, lived a privileged life, was taught the difference between the light and the dark, and yet went to the dark anyway, and I, I I think that's an interesting story. But but I digress. Back to to, to Ray in the cave. You know, we, we learn in the Rise of Skywalker when she has the second part of her vision. Her biggest fear is herself, and the novel says something like she doesn't want to let her friends down uh, because she feels she may hurt them. But while the cave in the Last Jedi is a reflection of that fear, I think it's trying to tell her something, something that we see later on. And while we see a lot of Ray in that cave, in that vision, really it's telling her that she does have the, this found family. And not only does she have the found family inside her, she also has all the Jedi inside her. And as, as you know, some, some people like to say that J.J. hates Ryan and J.J. shits on The Last Jedi. I think, looking at it from the rise of Skywalker, the cave is is trying to tell Ray, never alone have you been. And now that we see, you know, all three movies, and I realize this is a bit of a long explanation, and I apologize for that, but now that we see all three movies, that that's what I take from that. That she can, you know, she can overcome her fears because she has, to steal another line, she has everything she needs right inside of her. That's my thoughts. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will talk with you guys later. That's why he's the king. That's a perfect explanation for me. That's good. I mean, I'm glad he got that of it because I did not get there. You know, and I agree with how he got there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm kind of torn as a Star Wars fan on the idea of because I'll do it at the drop of a hat. You know, I'll reference something from one of the novelizations or visual dictionaries. Um, but I'm a little torn on those sort of being a necessary part of the experience. Um, but, you know, I guess there's definitely elements of the prequel and the original trilogy that fall into the same category that are better explained through ancillary material. So I don't know that that's specifically a fault of the sequel trilogy, but I do feel like, and I don't know if it's a, I don't know where the source of it is, if it's from sort of the rushed production of the sequel trilogy, trying to do it on every two years, you know, writing a sequel to the first movie before the second movie, you know, uh, before the first movie is even in theaters because you're on such a heightened schedule and then not even taking into account the way protracted 
or way it's protracted longer or yeah. shorter. Okay, the way shortened schedule that they had to make the Rise of Skywalker on. Like I, I feel like it's a little more prevalent where there's some holes that need to be patched with visual and also, dictionaries and novelizations and stuff. Making these things and then and then making the next thing before you really see how the first one is digested by the audience. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of this may have been intended a certain way and the audience either took it one way or it, it lands in a different way and you've already written the next installment before you really saw how that one landed. Yeah, and, uh, you know, for me personally, it, it worked out fairly well. Like, I loved The Force Awakens. Loved it. Loved The Last Jedi. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. was a case where they wrote the second movie before the first one was out, and it worked for me. Yeah. Um. You know, I just feel like, they, I mean, it, there's a lot of shit with the, the Rise of Skywalker that could have gone more smoothly from a production standpoint. And I think at the end of the day, that movie would have only benefited from extra time and things like that. And going forward, what I really hope they do, and I think it will ease a lot of this out, is they have like sort of a singular creative person that steers a trilogy or a set of movies. I think this could have been a lot smoother of a ride if it was one person writing the entire trilogy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. it, it would have really helped out and it would have made it feel a little more cohesive because even though in the sequel trilogy or, you know, in the original trilogy, you had different directors for every movie, you still had George Lucas over the whole thing. Yeah. Same thing with the prequel trilogy, even though he wrote and directed all three of those even if there had been you know different directors for the prequel trilogy movies i feel like it would have been it still would have had a cohesive nature to it but you know it's weird for me to say that i'm a little torn on this because i'm definitely in the camp of the clone wars helped me appreciate the prequels more and the clone wars is is essentially ancillary material to the prequels right yeah so i don't know it is what it is but i do dig king, king tom's explanation there yeah that was a good one <clears throat> all right next up we have a voicemail from our buddy jim he actually sent this um last week but we recorded earlier so we didn't uh get it in time so let's hear what he has to say hey halls and will how you gentlemen doing Good evening. Um, I wanted to sort of give you news that I have been slowly exposing my four-year-old to Star Wars. And the way that I... I know I called and asked what you thought the best order was going to be, but uh, I kind of had a breakthrough a little bit with how to introduce it. And uh, the first six movies, at least, are on Golden Books, which, you know, they've got Dumbo and Cinderella and things like that. Uh, so I've been reading these Golden Books to my four-year-old. And um, the great thing is that she'll say, what's that animal sound like? You know, it's a rancor or something. And then I'm like, let me show you. And I'll play a clip off of YouTube from straight out of Star Wars. What's he sound like? And everything. And man, uh, 
one day she's she's pointing to the front of the books and she's like, "Do you know what that's called?" And I'm like, "Yeah, do you?" And she says, "Tan Tan." And I'm just like, I, "I don't know if I've ever been more proud of her." <laughs> but um, so I'm kind of so I got to show her all six movies, and now she's asking about Ray, and she's like, "Is that Princess Leia?" I'm like, "No," and she's asking about um, Poe, wondering if it was Luke, and I'm like, "Nope, no, it is not." So I have yet to show her the, the sequel trilogy. But uh, seeing the movies through her eyes uh, has really been something, and I remember some of my first feelings. Uh, I remember when I watched A New Hope, and Luke yelled no, uh, that I was like, man, I didn't realize that he was so close uh, with him. But it really you know, shed light on their relationship a bit. And I remember in Attack of the Clones, when... Uh, I felt like the movie was really slow at that point, at the, the first time, and then when he sliced those first uh, sand people, and then it cut, I was like, no, come on, let me see that. I just remember uh, I was chomping at the bit for some lightsaber action at that point. But what are your guys' first impressions? Do you remember any of your first impressions that really uh, stuck out to you when you first watched these movies for the first time? But, uh, all right, that's it. Uh, you guys stay safe and ignite that green. See ya. Well, that's a good question. Hey, Will, let me ask you, have you introduced your son to any Star Wars yet? You know, you're going to hate to hear this, but he says, I don't like Star Wars. Oh. It's scary. I don't like Star Wars because I will, I'll watch the episodes of the Clone Wars while he's like, you know, playing in the living room or whatever. He's playing toys. If he's not paying attention to TV, like I'll flip it over to what I want to watch, and then I'll be like, "No, we're gonna. I'm gonna watch Star Wars for this episode, and then we can go back to watching, you know, Octonauts or whatever the hell we, whatever the hell he was forcing me to watch. Um, you're not even paying attention to it anyway, so I'll watch it. And granted, for a four year old, probably some of those episodes of Clone Wars are a little bit scary. You know, right. Darth Maul's probably scary. All those <laughs> aliens are probably scary, but uh, I have the Golden Books as well, and I'll I squeeze them in there every now and then. Right now, it's Ghostbusters. We read the Golden Books Ghostbusters book every night. I could recite it to you from memory. I've read it so many times. Um, but that in, that in itself is a little bit scary. So, you know, we're working into the Star Wars. He has all the Star Wars toys. He loves the Star Wars toys. He knows who they are. He knows Chewbacca and Darth Vader and Stormtrooper and Spaceship. And, okay. But uh, as far as watching them, Man. we're a ways off. Do you know how heartbroken I would be? I know it. If I, I know. Had and a that's son. why and I you know, like I my whole point is I'm not driving this nail home. Like No, let him fall into it. If you want to be into Star Wars, he'll get there. You'll be into Star Wars. And if you don't, you won't. It'll be yeah. fine. Either way with me. Uh but if I want you to like it, I'm not gonna keep hammering it home. I'm uh, I'm gonna let you be like, Oh, that's cool. Lightsabers are cool. He thinks lightsabers are cool, like he's got a little lightsaber and we play with and so like he he likes it without knowing he likes it. You know what I mean? And I I like it that way because really, you know, I didn't I didn't watch him with my dad till I was probably I got to imagine like 9, 10, maybe 7, 8, 9, 10 somewhere in there. And like I couldn't I couldn't understand the story before then, really. So it doesn't upset me that he's not really <coughs> um into it yet. So I remember what's funny about that, about him saying he didn't want to watch Star Wars because Star Wars is scary. That's how my dad got me to watch Star Wars, right? Nice. Because I saw Star Wars for the first time when I was four. 
ish. Um, and what happened was my cousin Brooke showed me Nightmare on Elm Street one time when she was babysitting oh, me around the same age. Within these happened probably within days of each other. And buddy, I was at that point obsessed with scary shit. Freddie was my dude. At the breakfast table, you're telling mom and dad how Freddie is off on everybody and what he's doing, and they're like, "Brooke, I and this is the last time. Well, what's, last time you get to watch the child." <laughs> what's funny is apparently, <clears throat> before I was born, uh, my dad would always say, not like being a dick about it, but joking around. One of my other cousins was allowed to watch whatever he wanted, you know, scary movies, R-rated movies, and my dad would always be like, "There's no way when we have kids." They're going to do that. And then cut to a few years later, and my cousin shows me Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's all I want to watch. <laughs> and I don't, and, and I got to say, I don't remember meeting much resistance about that for the record. I just remember my parents being like, fuck it. I guess we got to go along with this. The kid's into Freddy Krueger. What are we going to do? Like, the cherry is popped. There's no, the, the monkey, the cat doesn't go back in the bag. Yeah. And so what happened was, uh, I was bugging my dad one night um, being like, I want to watch a scary movie. We need to watch a scary movie. And my dad kept telling me, look, I don't have any movies like that. And eventually he was like, you know what? Let's watch this. There's a scary character in it. And it was Star Wars. And the scary character was Darth Vader. So my earliest memories of Star Wars are sitting on like, of old 70s style green couch, like dark green, all the lights off in the living room. My dad pops in a bootleg VHS of Star Wars, taped off of CBS, still had the commercials and shit in it, all the commercial breaks. Beautiful. <laughs> the ship stuff happens. I'm not into it yet. I'm like, what is this? R2 and C3PO show up, and I'm like, who are these guys? But then Darth Vader shows up. I'm hooked. The scary dude showed up. So my earliest memories are being obsessed with Darth Vader and thinking he was scary. Thinking the aliens in the cantina were scary. That was a big thing for me when I was a kid was the scene in the cantina. And was immediately into it. Had no idea there were other Star Wars movies. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and um, so I remember like, watching that VHS over and over, wanting to take it to my normal babysitter's house during the summer, but thinking she wouldn't approve of it. So not taking it being like, no, nah, she won't, she won't let me watch this at her house. And then I remember going to rent a movie one day and you know, when your kid just sort of walking around the video store, seeing the empire strikes back and return of the Jedi and putting two into like, I think this is star Wars. Nice. And, and going up to my dad and go, there's other Star Wars movies? And he's being like, yeah, there's two more Star Wars movies. And I remember as a kid thinking that Empire Strikes Back was a little slow. Yeah. And not being into it at first. I remember loving Return of the Jedi as a kid. Yeah, exactly. Loving Return of the Jedi. Ewoks, green lightsabers, fucking... Uh, big the, space battle, big space battle, Jabba the Hutt, uh, Lapty Neck back in the day, do, 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 do. loving that shit, man. 
Um, back when I was a kid, Return of the Jedi was my favorite. Yeah. As I got older, I appreciated the masterstroke that is Return that is the Empire Strikes Back. Like once I got into movies in general, like cinema. Yeah. And- I came around to I was like, oh, Empire Strikes Back is the better movie. Like Return seeing Return of the Jedi then ignited in me the need for Star Wars stuff because I wanted an Ewok. You know what I mean? I wanted oh, a cool. lightsaber and things like that because there's not a whole lot of lightsaber going on in Star Wars and A New Hope, right? Yeah. And my parents being like, they don't make that stuff anymore, dude. We can't find it anywhere. And like trying to find Star Wars stuff because this is, you know, 1987, 1988, the Star Wars boom is well over at this point. <clears throat> um, and I remember going to like, there was this place called Gibson's that was like, I don't know, like a discount store, but it was local. It wasn't like a chain. It was local in Columbus, as far as I remember. And seeing Return of the Jedi figures on the shelves, but all they had were like Rancor Keepers. And, you know, n- n- no Luke, no Vader, no Chewbacca, nothing right. like that. Um, so those are like my earliest memories of Star Wars. Mine are like the initial mind-blowing moment. For some reason, something about the Death Star sticks in my mind. Uh-huh. From, I'm thinking back about watching the movie with my dad, like getting into it. I'm there for it. I'm like, oh, spaceship, Darth Vader, yikes. And then I'm like, oh, Luke, what's this? A lightsaber? That's a neat thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then all the it, it all clicked. Like they make it to Alderaan, and then shit, they hit the tractor beam, and that's no moon, and it's the it's the Death Star. And then you get on the Death Star, and me as a kid, I'm thinking, how the hell are they gonna get out of here? Like they are fucked. Like they are tractor beam like they're not going to get out of here what are they going to do and so obi-wan you know goes and basically gives his life to drop the tractor beam to give them and you know tangles with darth vader to give them a chance to get away and swinging across the chasm the garbage chute everything about the death star and what they went through there and in their escape hooked me like i remember the moments like i was like this is crazy awesome and then of course you you know the trench run on the death star is the icing on the cake but like i i can remember very vividly just being like slack jawed like when they're on the death star yeah and i remember like weird misconceptions when i was very young like probably four you know what i mean like asking my dad or insisting to my dad that Obi-Wan was Luke's grandfather. And I was like, it's because, you know, I was really close to my grandfather on my mom's side growing up. Like, right. And so I was, I was just like bereft that Darth Vader killed Luke's grandfather. I was like, that's really messed up. I also remember asking my dad when the Death Star blows up Alderaan being very worried that that could happen. Being like asking my dad essentially, could could someone blow up our planet? Yeah, exactly. And him not being comforting about it, being like, I don't know, I guess that. I mean, maybe, maybe something could happen and blow up the planet. <laughs> Coming right out of the Cold War eighties. And then <clears throat> my dad was also horrible about spoilers because the first time we watched Empire Strikes Back and the big reveal comes, 
where, you know, Vader's like, no, I am your father. I remember turning to my dad and going, oh, he's lying. He's not really Luke's dad. And my dad going, no, he is. You find out in the next movie that he is. <laughs> Jeez, spoilers. Spoilers, dad. I mean, those are the fun things you get to spoil for your kids, I yeah. guess. Um, I also remember one time, you know, like you were kind of talking about like, I wasn't fully able to absorb the story until later. Right. And I remember right. asking my dad, like, what was Luke's dad's name? Like it's something, I don't know why I put two and two together that his name wasn't really Darth Vader. Right. And he told me Anakin. And I was like, where is he getting this information? <laughs> How do you know that? How do you know this? Anakin. And I remember Did you just hear that from the video guy, the, the guy at the video store. I remember telling kids at school, like Darth Vader's real name is Anakin and feeling like Mr. Big Nuts. And I'm sure the kids at school were like, <laughs> who, who gives a fuck? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. You ready for our next voicemail? It's from our buddy, Corey, who wrote in last week. Awesome. Hi again, fellas. Well, Sounds like I kind of killed the mood in my last email, unfortunately. Coming across a little harsh with my comments about the prequels. Look, I don't want to diminish anyone else's enjoyment of them. Star Wars is different for everybody, right? It's just my opinion. And obviously, I like parts of the trilogy and the Clone Wars. So here's some of them. I really like the overall production of The Phantom Menace. I still think it looks the best of the trilogy. Pod race locations throughout the trilogy over one versus Django, the geonosians order 66 anakin doing the vader mask mortis arc and, a, and some other tidbits oh also i was telling you i worked on the production of episode two and three uh, an amazing memory of that contract was watching a sculptor mock up the marquette of the jedi council member Shakti. I honestly remember that just blowing my mind and how cool she looked. Uh, and lastly, I'm the guy that sent Star Wars tattoos uh, I've done over Instagram. Uh, I'm working on some stuff at the moment, so I'll send them over as they progress. So uh, hopefully that's lightened your view of me. Uh, also, Will, great call about Star Wars not hitting its peak yet. Uh, that's such a, a true statement. And as I said a while back, it's a great time to be a fan. And again, Will, your last episode, you were right about the uh, L7 weenie, quote, from being from the Sandlot. Man, I'm like 35 and I just watched it about two months ago. It still chokes me, chokes me up. It's, uh, it's a real cute movie. All right, guys, it's long enough voicemail for you. Take care. Talk soon. Buddy, uh, you didn't kill the mood. I was about to say, yeah. I hate that you feel like you killed no, the mood, but that like we that. did not have a high opinion of you. Dude, I gotta say, let me give his Instagram handle. Will, you know I love Star Wars tattoos, right? I do, yeah. Well, now my goal is to get a Star Wars tattoo from Corey because they are fucking incredible. Oh, wow. Like, you know... Given how things are going lately, I don't see myself traveling to Australia to get a Star Wars tattoo. I'd love to, 
Not well, when all of this is over, that's exactly what we need to do. Go for to real. Australia to get tattoos and meet Corey. Yeah, for real. <clears throat> Hang out with our geek dudes buddies and all our friends over in Australia. That'd be real fun. But, so you need to check him out. He's Corey, C-O-R-E-Y underscore who on Instagram. And he does incredible stuff. Like, it's my dream to get a Star Wars tattoo from this guy. Because it's, you know... Sometimes you see really good Star Wars tattoos, and sometimes you see ones that maybe aren't that great, right? Right. But, dude, the detail and the color work in his stuff is fucking top-notch. Maybe, Corey, have you ever considered applying to, like, the um, Star Wars Celebration Tattoo Pavilion to be one of their featured artists? That would be neat. You hear this? You hear me scheming here, Will? I hear you scheming, I'm scheming to get so, you a Star Wars tattoo. So when he announces, like when he gets there, I'll be like, hey, can I book an appointment? Because uh, I need a Star Wars tattoo from you. Real high quality. I mean, he's got one. I'm looking right now of Shakti. The uh, amazing. He's got uh, a really good Darth, or not Darth, Kylo Ren. He's got Raphael from the first Ninja Turtles movie in his Flasher costume. Nice. When he looks like a pervert that's going to buy porno Max. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the Casablanca, the trench coat and the hat. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I was blown away. A really awesome Captain Phasma. Deadpool. Like, he's hitting all the marks with shit I'm into. Um, so, yeah. Maybe one day I can make that happen because that shit is incredible and the dude got to fucking work on the making of two star wars movies yeah that's really an honor that none of us can boast of man that is cool all right <laughs> thanks for uh calling in Corey. absolutely apply to be a tattoo artist at star wars celebration i'm gonna back mask that in backwards Corey. Apply to be a tattoo artist at Star Wars Celebration. Subliminal messages. <clears throat> All right, next up, we got an email from our buddy Utah, Utah. Dougie. Dougie. Halls and Will. Do you guys have any preferences for characters from the movies that can cross over in future seasons of The Mandalorian? I wouldn't mind seeing Ochi the Jedi Hunter tangle with Ahsoka. Would that be possible? Is he Force-sensitive? Anyways, I think it would be cool to see Ahsoka fighting with her lightsabers. Will they create a new dark side user for her to fight? Keep up the great podcast. May the Force be with you, Dougie. Ooh. Okay, so... Ochi is not somebody I considered showing up in The Mandalorian, but I would think it was cool. Because I think the character and the concept of that character is really interesting. Like a Sith yeah. assassin. And I don't know that he is Force-sensitive. Maybe he is, but like I don't know that he's necessarily like trained or anything. I don't know if there's much information out there about that. That would be a cool character to pull in. Um, so, I, I just don't really know if we should expect a lot from Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. You know... I, you take away from Din Djarin's story. You know, however long he's got to share the spotlight with Ahsoka, it's less his his story, you know? 
that makes yeah, sense. There's definitely I can definitely see that. And and the other thing is is I don't know if the reports are true that this is sort of like a backdoor introduction of the character into live action. So she can then sort of have her own live yeah. action series. I don't know that she's necessarily going to be featured a lot. So I don't know that they'll create some sort of new dark side user for her to tangle with. But if they do want her to have a lightsaber battle of some sort, we've got the dark saber and Moff Gideon in the story. Yeah. And just because Moff Gideon isn't, a dark side user or a Sith, as far as we know, obviously, you know, I think it's safe to assume that he isn't. Doesn't mean you still can't have a cool lightsaber battle. Like Pre Vizsla fights with the Jedi using the dark saber, and he's not force sensitive. So That's true. If we were in store for something like that, I think it would come from Moff Gideon instead of from some new, newly introduced character. Dude, I'm down. If you want to finish out Ahsoka's lifetime and stories in live action, I'm there for that. Like, tell the rest of Ahsoka's story through a series or two series, you know, a movie. You want a, you want a series than a movie? Like, great. Like, have her go find <laughs> Ezra. Like, tell me all that story. Yeah. And what happened after Ezra left. Like, I'm there for that. Yeah. And see, that's the other reason that I, I don't think we should expect a ton from Ahsoka in The Mandalorian is because if the rumors are true about a animated sequel series of some sort to Rebels being in production and coming sometime soonish, then clearly most of that story is going to be explored in that as opposed to The Mandalorian. Right. Right? So, you know, that could make it a little more difficult to, to use her a lot. And, you know, for all we know, it's flashback stuff. Who knows? Like, could just be a recording. It could be as simple as a recording, you know? Like, I, I don't know. It's at this point, we know so little, and that's by design, obviously. They probably don't even want us to know as much as we do. <clears throat> that, uh, well, the child's name still hasn't gotten out, which I find to be impressive. So, yeah. Yeah, I wonder how that is going to be revealed somewhere down the line. All right, we have one more email, and then we'll wrap it up for the evening. This is from Hannah. Hi, Halls and Will. Hope you're doing well during this hot mess of a pandemic. You talked about some big news regarding The Mandalorian Season 2 and a big reveal someone dro might drop on it. I would love if Thrawn somehow ends up in the storyline, so I was excited to hear you bring up that possibility last, last week. What would be, cool, be a cool way they could tie Thrawn into it, in your opinion? I've always thought he's playing a long game that doesn't end up benefiting the Empire. The new Thrawn bit book is potentially coming out later this year, so that'd be cool to see his story show up in live action. Anyways, keep up the excellent work on the pod and stay healthy. Maybe we can all have a beer if or when celebration happens. Cheers, Hannah. Well, whenever celebration happens, we'll definitely have a beer. I don't know that it'll be in August. Uh, I think that's looking less likely every day, but uh, I'm sure it will be rescheduled. And you know what? It'll be nice to have this all behind us when we do get to do uh, some Star Wars celebrating. Yeah. So... Thrawn, I feel, is in a very similar position as Ahsoka, where it's a matter of when, not if, 
he shows up in live action in some form. Um, he's such a popular character. They went through all the trouble of reincorporating him into canon with Rebels and a trilogy of books and now a second trilogy of books that's going to start up that you got to figure that at some point they will do that. Will it be the Mandalorian? I don't know. You know, I think the character of Thrawn survives and thrives in a post Imperial world. Mm -hmm. I think he, he just as an admiral general leader, military leader, you know, I think that's a good feel for him. Even in a world, in a warlord world, that's not the empire. Right. And, just like that, I don't know that if they would be necessarily too eager to do a lot with Thrawn and the Mandalorian because of this potential Rebel sequel that yeah. will no doubt deal with Ezra and Thrawn. Right. I think it'll be after that that we could potentially see him in live action. Although, I mean, we're supposedly seeing Ahsoka in live action before that series, so I guess stranger things have happened. But I do feel like it is only a matter of time before we see a live action Thrawn. Um, and I don't really know, like in a hypothetical situation where he was brought into the Mandalorian, I don't know what the best approach would be. Like, so if he was brought into the Mandalorian, then clearly it would have to be post rebels. He would have had to find his way back from the events of rebels. Right. So that yeah, would have all had to be so did he, i can't remember the finale of rebels did he and ezra go to the same place yes they're in a star destroyer together the purgles i think that's what they're called the flying Space wells whales. yeah they're the ones that initiate the jump right 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 that is what happens um and then they go somewhere unknown and they're seemingly lost and can't get back um, and that raises a whole load of questions like, are Ezra and Thrawn just hanging out together past that? No, is it like trying a, to fix the hyperdrive? Yeah. Is it, is it a enemy mine type situation? I love that movie. Have you ever seen enemy mine? Is that the one with Dennis Quaid and his alien buddy? <laughs> yeah. And they're like on opposing factions that are fighting each other in a war and they both crash on a planet. And have yeah. to become fuck you, Davich. <laughs> I love that movie. It's good. That's a they movie don't do sci-fi like that anymore. They don't. They don't do sort of that mid-tier one-off, psychologically dramatic, heavy. And you know, honestly, you got to imagine Annihilation is kind of like that with Natalie Portman. That's a really have you good seen movie. That? Yeah, it's a really good movie. That is a head case. It's a good one. Yeah, that's based off of book though. Um, I mean, you well, that's true, but very good. You got to imagine that a lot of those movies that came out clearly came out as a reaction to Star Wars, right? You like, uh, did the last Starfighter come Absolutely. out after Star Wars? Yeah. Absolutely. Battlestar Galactica. There's no, there's no if, ands or buts about it. That was a reaction to Star Wars. Um, I mean, I, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers here, but the reemergence of Star Trek is because of Star Wars. Right, the next generation. Well, and the movies, the live action movies. Like Oh, you I'm pretty sure 
When did the first Star Trek movie come out? I thought that came out in the early <clears throat> 70s. You may be right, and I'm about to but stand I don't real know. dumb. I thought Star Trek was on its... I mean, I'm sure Star Wars helped it make more Star Treks, but no. I feel like... 79. 79, the first Star Trek movie? Two years after Star Wars. Wow. Come on, you got to admit um, that there that, that some some element of Star Wars helped bring that resurrect that beast. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, the show had been off the air forever by then. Then. Right. If Star Wars, if the first Star Trek movie came out in 1979, I'm pretty sure Star Wars. I mean, Star Trek went off air in the 60s, like mid to later 60s. Right. Right, right. So, anyways, um, and then, so, if we're going to get live action Thrawn, right? Yeah. You have to imagine you've got a couple of options. You have it, have him show up sometime during the original trilogy era, and then how do you go about that? Um, or you have him show up post Rebels, whatever the fuck happens after he and Ezra get warped away. And then if you do that, I think that honestly has the most potential for like interesting stuff to go on. And that's probably just a personal preference because I just want so many stories set after Return of the Jedi. That's the timeline I'm most interested in right now. Yeah. Um, and post episode nine, but it's going to be a while before we get anything in that, I imagine. Um, so if you do that, then the question becomes, what do you do with Thrawn? Do you have him try to, cause I can't imagine Thrawn being necessarily interested in aligning himself with the new Republic post the empire. So you do you have him trying to amass power of his own, or do you have him playing some role in the remnant of the Empire and the birth of the First Order? I would I think know. there are plenty of old stormtroopers to gather you an army. Right. I mean, well, we've seen that in the Mandalorian. Right. So yeah, I don't I don't know the best way to handle the Pirate that. King. <laughs> Buttonheads with Hondo. That's another yeah. character I'd like to see in live action is Hondo. Me too. But yeah, I, I, you know, given the popularity of the character, there's a few of those sort of introduced outside of the live action Star Wars movies characters <clears throat> that I do think it's only a matter of time before we see them in live action. And Thrawn is one of them. Uh, Ahsoka was one of them and it looks like that's coming to pass and I honestly think Dr. A Dr. Afra. I you said think that she's going to be live action I think we'll see her I don't know about live action such a popular character such a well-liked character I have to imagine they see that character and see a lot of like worth and using it f using her for more than just comics not to well, take anything well, away from the comics would you tell her story with Darth Vader? Because then you're bringing, I mean, marketing wise, anything with Darth Vader and it's going to be a gold mine. But can you get away with telling Darth Vader and Dr. Aphra's story 
in it, another way. I don't see. I don't think you need. And so I do see what I totally agree with you that for and then without purposes, Darth Vader, what do you have to anchor her to? You know, a lot actually. You know, like th- that's how the character was introduced. But her connection to Darth Vader is just a small part of her overall story. You know, um, she's definitely grown beyond just her interactions with Darth Vader. But I do feel like. Um, you would want to use that character. You know, it's just like bringing Ahsoka in the live action. I don't think you're just going to retell the Clone Wars. Right. So I think you just let the stories that were told in the comics with Darth Afra, Dr. Afra, be backstory or pre-story. I mean, you you could even have stories with her before she meets Darth Vader. Because um, she was up to shenanigans before then. Yeah. But I, I think... You know, there's just certain characters that really latch on with the fans that you got to imagine they see how popular they are and then want to do more with them because it, it just makes, like you said, from a marketing standpoint and from a, from a fan fulfillment standpoint, it just makes sense. I mean, what we're talking about is what happened with Cassian Andor, basically. And Ahsoka. And, and so Thrawn, like, you know, Thrawn was such a popular character from the EU. They brought him into the animation and made him part of the new canon. Like, they could have just as easily completely ignored Thrawn and just said, that's, you know, part of the old EU right. stuff. We don't have to do anything with him. But because he's so popular and so well-liked. They the only reason him. I was using Cassian was because he has his own right. exactly. property now, his own thing, project. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good pull, for sure. All right, buddy. It would be cool to see Thrawn in a Soka series. It would. Down for it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just, um, man, one of the cooler things that I've seen them do in like uh, the Star Wars publishing stuff. So they have a new Thrawn book coming that's kicking off. I think like a new trilogy, and it got delayed by a few months for some reason. And they announced that in that time, they were sort of retweaking the design of the physical book. So the pages, I don't know what you call it, like the end of the pages that you see when you look at a a book from like the opposite side of the spine. You know what I mean? Yes. So like there's a picture within the, the ends of the pages as they stack up. Right. They're not doing that, but they're blue. Oh, that's cool. So I thought that was a neat little touch. <clears throat> well, anyways, um, I think that's going to do it for us, buddy. Thanks for recording with me this week. Oh, thank you for recording with me. Man, it's nice to hang out and chat for a little bit. When, a little social uh, interaction. Yeah. I feel like I'm a human. I know. Well, feel like I could rip the ears off of a gun dark. I'm not the butler for a toddler. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters. Do, 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 do. Mm. Do, 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 Who you going to call? We got one. <laughs> Dude, you better watch out because I was a big Ghostbusters fan also around his age. And I got in trouble for in, in kindergarten for telling my teacher, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. I'm worried he's going to be singing the Ghostbuster song. He's going to go, Bustin' makes me feel good. Oh, dude, when you're a kid 
and you're into the Ghostbusters theme song, that's the best part. That's the part you put all the stank on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Busting made me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just not something you need to say at your church preschool. It's just not. Well, if they know it's Ghostbusters. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I could see how it becomes a bit of a sticky situation. And no pun intended. So, <laughs> if you guys haven't already, please leave us a five star on iTunes. Uh, we're real close to 200. It'd be neat to to hit that mark. And uh, if you like our theme song, please check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And until next week, when we will be officially discussing the Siege of Mandalore, very excited for that. This has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.